Hi, everyone, and welcome to Audio Note number 27. My name is Andrew Robinson. And as I said when I began this series, I have used these concepts that I've covered over the last 26 audio notes with myself. I've shared them with the people I work with, uh, family, friends, really anyone who is interested in this kind of work. But until now, I had never really codified and communicated them. So I trust you have all found it helpful. Those of you that have gone through each audio note, I wish I had some sort of certification that I could uh, send you. But I appreciate you coming along in this journey as I've sought to translate these fairly abstract but powerful concepts into insights, tools, and frameworks that you can put into practice. But as with most things, the work is just getting started. You know, just because you learn about how to use exercise equipment doesn't mean that you will get fit just looking at it, right? So now that you have these tools and exercises and frameworks, the challenge in front of you is to translate them into a practice. My hope for you is that you will weave these into your habits, your daily habits as you go through the day. So even build them into what you do in the morning, throughout the day, in the evening. Everything we've covered so far are things that you can do in the car, you can do on a walk, you can do wherever you are. And my hope is that you will integrate them into your daily life. But the work is really just getting started. There's a lot more we can go into, but what I want to do is invite you to help me co-create where we go from here. So I'm going to send out an invitation for a call in the next couple weeks. I will try to make it at a time when most of you can join. I know there are people from Asia, Europe, East Coast, West Coast, uh, all over. So I want to make it hopefully at a time when most of you can join. Certainly we, we can record it. But what I would like to hear from you is what has been helpful so far in this journey? Where would you like to see it go? There are a number of different directions. I think just by hearing you share what has impacted you, that will help me determine where to go because there's a lot of different directions that we can go from here. Of course, you can always message me on Substack if you have a particular question or something that you would like to explore more. But look for that email coming out shortly with information on how you can join that call. It is for subscribers only and preferably for people who have gone through the audio notes. I won't say that you will have had to go through all of the audio notes, but it will certainly help if you have a familiarity with the series, what we've covered, so that you can share what has been helpful, what might be more helpful in the future. But before we put a punctuation mark on this series, there is one last piece to the whole self-ship picture that we need to consider, and it may be one of the most important pieces, one of the linchpins that holds us all together. So like I said, I've introduced tools you can use, and I've talked through these highly complex concepts that relate to the self. And this may come across to you as you're listening through this as if I just have 100% certainty in terms of how the self works. Like it can come across as very presumptuous, not so much what I say, but maybe how I communicate sometimes can come across as if like, I just know how the self works, right? And the fact is, is the self is of an order of complexity that it escapes all of our understanding. And I just want to make that really, really clear. But I am 100% certain about certain aspects of the self and how it works. I am certain that we have a self, that much I can say. And I'm certain that the tools and the frameworks that we've talked about will help you work with yourself. But how that all happens, how the actual self works, 
please understand me when I say I don't know. There is, like I said, that is an order of complexity that is so far beyond us. I don't presume to know the first thing about the self, the nature of the self. So I raise this not because I am concerned about you mistaking my representations of the self for the real self. Like that's not my main concern that you would think that the complex identity framework is the self. You understand that it's just a map. I raise this because my hope in this series is to foster a deeper appreciation for the complexity, the ineffability of the self. The tools that I have introduced just help us engage with the self. They enable us to live more intentionally. They encourage us to live less accidentally. But I cannot reduce their impact to a simple equation. It's not like the self is amenable to that kind of reductionistic thinking. Apparently, there's a joke among commercial airline pilots about the autopilot function. When the autopilot kicks in sometimes and does something independent of the pilots, the two pilots will actually look at each other as if to say, like, well, there it goes again. It kind of has a mind of its own. I wonder what it's up to now, right? That's really a pleasant thought the next time you're flying, or maybe you're flying right now. Who knows? The self, in a similar way, has a mind of its own, and while we can engage with ourself, it isn't of such a nature that we can just grab the yoke, like on an airplane, and tell it where to go, or who to be, or what to do, which is a little odd in some ways, because nothing is more central to who we are than the self. But like we talked about in an earlier audio note, so much of who we are happens independent from our conscious awareness. So at no point do I want to imply to all of you that if you use these tools, if you apply the frameworks, do the work, like voila, self-ship will just come out the other side. This is not a self-factory. My complex identity framework is of enormous value to me and a lot of people that understand it. However, it's just a map. Like I said, it's the best representation of the self that I can think of. Thinking of the self in terms of CIF has been enormously helpful to me and the leaders I work with. But it's just a representation. It's an analog of something whose complexity, like I said, is of such a magnitude that it escapes any capture by any framework, mine or anyone else's. It can't be defined. It can't be delineated or quantified. You can't see it. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. And for good reason, because the self isn't material. It's spirit. The Greek word for spirit, as many of you know, is, is panoima or pneuma, and it has several meanings. Depending on its use, it can mean breath and wind in addition to how it's usually used or spirit. So if you and I, let's say, are standing outside on a cold day and we're having a conversation and we can actually see our breath, I could say to you, hey, the air is so cold that I can see your panoima or pneuma, your spirit or your breath. If a sudden wind was to come along and carry your breath away, What's interesting is we could actually say that the pneuma carried away your pneuma, right? The wind carried away your breath. But we wouldn't, of course, imply by that that you had lost your spirit because the wind carried away your breath, right? Your spirit actually dwells within you. No amount of breath or wind can take away your spirit. 
Interestingly, I was rereading the dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus recently, and Jesus says to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound it makes, but you do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. In other words, those that are born of the pneuma or the Spirit bear some resemblance to the pneuma, the wind. The pneuma has a mind of its own. The wind your spirit, God's spirit. It's a clever turn of phrase by Jesus and provides, I think, a helpful metaphor for the self. It's like breath. It's like wind in nature. It's spirit. You can't predict with any certainty where it will come from or where it will go. So think about that next time you're outside and you see the wind. Remember, that is the exact same word, wind for spirit, for your breath. They're all one and the same. It's in this sense that the self, as I understand it, is the spirit. The wind has a mind of its own, and so does the self. Because the self is spirit, it's pneuma, it's breath, it's wind. But that doesn't mean it's operating independently from our actions and choices. We have a responsibility. We just don't necessarily know or can predict exactly how this is going to go or what's going to happen or even the nature of the self. So in the end, that's all we can do. We can commit to making choices that cultivate selfship, as we've talked about in this series. And while I don't know and never will know how the self works, I'm certain that this cultivates a healthy self, a healthy spirit. Everything we've talked about aims at helping us cultivate that kind of healthy spirit. That is selfship. I want to be really clear on this before we wind down this portion of the series, because in my mind, so much as I understand the self, it all hinges on us being spirit, which is not how we typically think about ourselves or the world largely because we live in a culture that is so materially focused, right? We define what matters in terms of physical entities, of things we can touch and taste and see. Those are the things that we think matter. So we can lose sight of that framework of like, wait a second, I'm an actual spirit. Now, some of you may have a different take on that. You may see yourself in a different light. All I can share is for me, I don't know how to make sense of all of this outside of seeing us as spiritual beings. So I'd be remiss to not include a short quote that really informs everything that we have covered through this series. It's from the opening paragraph of Sickness Unto Death by Soren Kierkegaard. I've derived a lot of my understanding of the self, of the spirit, of God from Soren Kierkegaard. But this passage stood out to me several years ago as the best synopsis of the self and our relationship to ourself. Kierkegaard says, man is spirit, but what is spirit? Spirit is the self. But what is the self? The self is a relation that relates itself to its own self. Sound familiar? I don't expect you to hear that and be like, oh, great, Andrew. I've got it. It's so clear now, right? This is incredibly complex. But I just want to leave on that note before we punctuate this series and emphasize the fact that this all holds together in my mind with the notion that we are spiritual beings, that we are spirit, that the spirit is the self, and that that is central to all of us becoming people with selfship. So I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts, hearing what's worked, what didn't work, 
what's been valuable and where we might go from here. Keep an eye out for that invitation to that call. I hope as many of you as possible can make it. Really looking forward to that conversation. And as always, wherever you are right now, wherever you're listening in from, I am so glad that you are here. Take care, everyone. Thank you.